everyone. Welcome to another episode of Relative Pitch. We are so excited to be joined today by Ashley Michelle Crawford. Um, yeah. Hashtag Flute Bay, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. She's Hello. Educator, flutist, and um, activist uh, within the music realm. So, Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I am truly grateful for this opportunity. And I was so excited when you reached out to me about it because your purpose and the mission statement of your uh, podcast podcast aligns with basically everything that I do. So I don't know. I feel right at home already. (laughs) So like just for, and I'm sure you have such a huge following. We'll talk about that um, as well later, but for people who may not have come across some of your videos or maybe they didn't know that was you, like let people know uh, what, you know, what's, what did you come from? What are you doing currently? What's happening? Okay, so the brand's name is Flute Bay, just hashtag Flute Bay. And it came, I guess I should say it like kind of dropped in my lap a little bit Um, in 2017 when the whole hashtag mask off challenge happened. You remember the do you, we, you, everybody was playing this melody. So um, the first flutist I saw do it was Lizzo. So Mm -hmm. I'm getting like tags and stuff like, hey, And I was like doing like natural hair videos and stuff at the time. But the people who were closest to me knew, you know, I played flute and everything. And they were like, hey, um, Ashley, uh, check this out. You play flute, like do it, do it, do it. And I'm like, okay, sure. (laughs) You know, so I cut on this song. I hear this flute line. I'm already excited because flute, everything in this track is based around this flute sample. So I'm yeah. like, okay, all right, here we go. I learned the, the little sample. My husband comes home. I'm like, okay, I want to do this mask off video. And he's like, what? So like, you know, we're older. So we're like mask off, like just do the video. <laughs> like just hold the camera. I'm going to play. I'll tell you when to press, press play on the song. And I'm just going to do my little flute ditty or whatever yeah so we're basically playing too much at this point like okay let's just do it i record it post hit exit that's what i do that's anxiety i guess like post get out of the app (laughs) (laughs) then all of a sudden my phone starts to go crazy um one of my um, old band friends had posted it on twitter i wasn't on twitter at this time and I, um, I guess it had gone like extremely viral on Twitter. I had no handle. No one knew who I was. So they just dubbed me Flute Bay. We don't know who this girl is. We're going to call her Flute Bay. And I was like, hmm, I like that. I like that. So I, I took it and I just, I took off with it. And I ran with it. And I remember that whole experience with playing whatever these classical lines were on top of this future song, how freeing it was for me. And I was like, oh, I didn't have anyone critiquing me, anyone judging me, anyone. It was none of that. It was just myself, Mm -hmm. my flute and people's ears. Mm -hmm. And they loved what they heard. And I just held on to that. Sorry, my daughter is being a two-year-old, but <laughs> I just held on to that. And the rest is history. Like, it's just been life-changing for me. 
So that's how Fruit Bay got started. I was a retweeter, okay? (laughs) When it came, I was a retweeter. I was a sharer. I remember the whole (laughs) Fruit Bay whole thing, and I did not know it was you. Well, thank you. But I was like, uh, we got a a classical flute player out here doing the little fiddles. And I'm like, yes, please give me more. So yes, I was definitely a supporter from day one. Yes, and during this time, I had just been recently hired at Tennessee State University, uh, fall 2016. The mask off situation, I think, happened spring 2017 or something. Yeah, Yeah, it was March 2017. So these new students in my studio, they were like, okay, our teacher is really cool. (laughs) So so, um, with the whole flute bay thing, it has been pivotal, sorry, (laughs) and recruiting just overall attracting students, especially students of color, because they, 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 they see the, the even ground there. Like, okay, she gets us. She gets us. She'll pick up her flute and she'll play a Mozart concerto or a Iber concerto, or she'll conduct flute choir, but then she'll also cut on this scissor song or cut on this song and groove to it and uh, and write arrangements for us to play to it and like they they just feel so seen and just so heard and I just love what this brand has done for of course myself and other young musicians up and coming musicians who see um what's happening with this I I love that and I think um we like Lizzo is definitely due credit for the the idea of using traditional a traditional instrument and kind of implementing it into popular music and that's absolutely talked about the of integrating classical and pop and that's becoming a huge subject I think in the field right now and it's so cool Mm -hmm. that's something you really champion and we see that we see how it wasn't even just musicians it was like like just people who love music and they were like this is the coolest thing retweeting and saying this is amazing and it's crazy how some people still can't see how important that integration is nowadays especially with today's like youth and like you just like you said recruitment goes up crazy when they see that their professor is someone who is interested and like not only interested but you know an advocate for um integration with classical and popular uh, music so how when did, about did that start at any point in your education or did you have mentors who who were really big about that integration or was it just something that happened so oh, no. teachers who were big on that integration absolutely not <laughs> um and i love my teachers to death don't get me wrong okay um, especially my undergrad uh, flute teacher, mentor. She's been just, she's one of the heartbeats of my career. I will say that. Um, middle-aged white woman, but she's the coolest middle-aged white woman you'll, <laughs> you'll ever meet. She's one of those allies that we say, oh, this person happens to be white, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, when I started the classical flute hip hop uh, situation. It came after the mask off thing. Cause I, I just, I just nose dive just right into it. Like, okay, this works for me. This makes me feel good. Because up until this point, when you're classically training and a lot of people use these, this term loosely, I'm classically trained, I'm classically trained. When you're classically training, 
they are training you to be the next symphony, whatever, next principal, and it's intense. There are no, there's no room for error, no room for mistakes. And when you make those mistakes, it's the worst mistake ever. <laughs> you beat yourself up about it. You know, you tear yourself down and it's a hard road to travel. Um, when I got to this, this crossroad of, okay, I want to play my instrument on hip hop tracks, on R&B tracks, just be in pop culture. It was an easy decision to make because like I mentioned before, I felt free. Um, playing these lines, playing these classical lines, I would take something from a Mozart, take something from a Martin, take something from whatever composer and put it in this hip hop music. And then all of a sudden people get it. Just like that. Like you said, like there was just people who weren't musicians that say, hey, I felt this, but I'm playing like this romantic V-door, whatever, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the trained musicians, they're like, did you just put a little Beethoven number five up in there? And then other, other people are just like, hey, it sounds good and it feels good and I want to hear more of it. And that was freeing to me because up until this point, Everything I did was just judge. Everything just, just comb through, fine tooth comb, fine tooth comb. You have to play it this way. You have to stand this way. You have to look this way. You got to hold it this way. You have to carry yourself this way. You have to dress this way. And once I got into the culture, <laughs> once I implemented myself into the culture, I, had, I let all that go. All that was gone. Mm. All of it was gone. And I was able to not only be a classical flutist or a jazz flutist or whatever title you want to put on the the type of way I play you can't really put it in the box I just say I'm a flutist I play the flute I pick it up and I don't know what's going to come out I may play some jazz here some classical there I may fuse it all together but what's most important is I play the music and the listener gets it and they feel it and at that point, I've done my job. I've shared my gift. Um, as far as my teachers are concerned, going back to the integration of it and people accepting it, people um, who were a part of my classical training, um, giving me lessons or, you know, teaching music classes. No, they didn't get it at first. They looked at me crazy mm. <laughs> for a while. Um, my undergrad teacher, she's always championed for me. She was just like, you know, I, I love, I love this. I don't know what it is. I don't get it. I don't know what a future is. I don't know what a mascot is, but it sounds great. Your tone is awesome. Like, you know, she would speak from a flutist point of view, um, but people getting it and embracing it, it was not like that at first. Um, a lot of people you know, turn their noses up at it and was like, oh, this doesn't make sense. Um, you're you're tarnishing classical music. This is blasphemy. This is, you know, so I got, I got a lot of um, negative criti criticism, but, you know, I didn't let that influence me. I just kept going. So, and like you said, now everybody wants to know, hey, how do you do it? Or you see more people doing it now. Yeah, that upsets me so much because I think in education, 
when we are classically trained, our teachers in the institution of higher ed wants us to go down that one path, only symphony orchestra or only wind ensemble, or you have to be a classical where you don't play Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, all of those. But I think now we're coming to the point where, yes, I went to music school, but I can be anything other. I can go play with Beyonce and be paid one of the top paid musicians in the world because I'm touring with the Beyonce. And I don't think our education teaches us that at all. Um, and which I want to say one thing that you talked about, about um, how you would play a classical song and then, you know, bring out with some hip hop. Like one of my, one of the first times I ever saw that integration was actually the famous Richard Smallwood gospel legend, how before he would play Total Praise, he would have this very, I think it might've been like a Beethoven piano uh, thing or something. And then next thing you hear is that first uh, chord of Total Praise. And I'm like, I just had a whole concert going on right here. And like, it really drew me in at a young age. So classical music can also be in other forms as well. Um, and I just think I we need more of that integration going on because mm -hmm. I think in our classical realm, people look down on popular music, hip hop, R&B, whatever. Yes. But it's funny because on the other side, they'll play something that has those same hip hop beats on their concerts because they know that's what people want to hear and i'm like right now you're giving me two face right now you're giving me yeah face yeah and you see a lot of this symphony with nas this symphony yes, with yes, jay-z yes, this yes, symphony yes. with like oh okay mm -hmm. now the girls want the girls to come in yes, <laughs> and yes. hear the hear the symphony hear the orchestra but you know you can't keep being elitist about it and gatekeeping it yeah. um where only this certain demographic of people get to come in and hear the symphony mm -hmm. no music is music mm -hmm. and you should not put your noses up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at someone because they've decided to release a pop song right. <laughs> with some strings in it or something like that or yeah. with a classical flute line I, now all of a sudden this classical music is tainted because you put it over a Justin Bieber beat or a future beat or something like that like no no well, for it's a lot of the same purpose so sorry for a lot of people when they hear those instruments in the, in a popular culture sense that's probably the first time they heard it and they're actually going to realize what they are because like when we're going into this band thing, they're like, this is the trumpet. This is how it plays and all this other stuff. And Anthony sent me this video the other night because last semester I dove deep into non-traditional music history. And I wrote, I did a whole semester of research on Outkast and um, the evolution of Dirty South and, dirt and uh, rap in Atlanta and how it was born in Atlanta and made Atlanta rap capital. He sent me the new Deco Ensemble doing an outcast suite. I don't like listening to strings. I listened to 20 minutes worth of strings and I didn't stop because it combines with the passions. And imagine just like how many people would listen to that and go to that concert over and over. And then that could range them to start understand, not understanding. You don't need to understand Strauss or Mahler. If you can appreciate it and we can give you something in a performance we talked about this in class. When you go see a lot of orchestras, they all look like they hate their lives. Oh, absolutely. Because they're sitting there, they're like, they're like, bah, 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 bah. and yeah. I'm like, you know, Boy. if we all just move a little bit, 
like and it look like we're enjoying the performance. <gasps> yes. <laughs> How like I was told a couple of times they're like, Michael, you move too much. You're never gonna get called into a trumpet section. I'm like, then I don't want to be in that trumpet section. If I can't move the way I like to move when I play music, I don't want to be there. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel the same way. I've been in situations or um, classical um, ensemble settings where I was a bit too much for that setting. Because if I feel the music, I don't care what I'm playing. We're playing Mendelssohn. We're playing Bach. We're playing whoever. If I feel the line... (laughs) i'm in the line and i and i've had you know um people either embrace that or you know i was surrounded by other players who you know were on the same wave frequency where we're all moving the same way and it's a beautiful thing to see um or there has been the other the opposite end of the spectrum where people are looking at me like you need to sit on the edge of your seat and uh, be still and play the line and, you know, keep it together. And, you know, I just didn't return to that next rehearsal because I was like, no, this isn't my home. <laughs> this isn't my home. I, I can't, I can't like, how can you be completely still and play music? Do you like it? Like, like what you said, <laughs> are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying it? I saw a concert recently and they were playing a piece by it about African American composer, um, and they were supposed to be representing a church service, a good old Pentecostal Baptist church, and the way they were playing, and I'm like, let me just tell you, hun, we don't do that. Like we are not in our seats, just sitting down comfortably playing a piece or singing a piece in church. We are moving. We are doing something, and and honestly. <laughs> The way they were sitting is the way I heard the piece. Bland, boring. You shouldn't like it. Is you didn't. If you're not feeling the music, what is music? When we start putting these, um, all these criticisms, and we start putting all all these requirements on music, what is music then? Because music's supposed to come from within. It's supposed to be something as close to the heart as we have humanly possible. So when you start telling people how to act or telling people what what is correct, what is quality, mm-hmm. we're now taking away what really is music. Exactly. And, like that. and to expand on that, my recent viral moment where the internet just drugged me, I played a major scale and did not resolve the seventh. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Lauren, you look, you look triggered. You're like, I did see that. <laughs> funny because did you see uh garrett mcqueen's response yes that? i did that, that, that part for me hearing that then seeing that it was hilarious to me yeah. but i remember like listening to it and i just went i just resolved it myself i was like I yeah can't. i sung it i said go i was like there you go i resolved it myself <laughs> you said, but, <laughs> but there were some musicians like you know it was a joke I'm always like I say I play too much on the internet sometimes. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is funny. It was it was hilarious in my head. Like this is gonna go great. Once yeah. again, posted the video, exited out of the app, went on about my business. Yeah, all hell broke loose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there were people who were legit upset mm-hmm. because they kept saying you're supposed to mm. resolve this scale. 
supposed you're a classical musician you're supposed to play dough am i am i <laughs> am how about, i how about you straight up and you play dough Therefore, right right and we saw it we saw what happened with responses like musicians took this leading tone and turned it into something completely just out of this world created songs and tracks around this they created a loop out of it mm-hmm. um but i always say like yes classical music has its set of rules a book of rules we know but rules are meant to be broken mm. at some point and that's a lot of what my brand is based around like yes i'm a classical trained flutist but i'm breaking rules all up and through <laughs> all up and through and like you said, it's music. Mm-hmm. These composers that a lot of people want to gatekeep and hold near and dear and say, you cannot deviate from what these dead old white men did <laughs> back in the day. These men or these composers, women included, they were criticized mm-hmm. during their time. We have to think about Bach. Bach wasn't appreciated until how many years later? Hundreds of years later. Yeah. Yeah. And so, they don't even get that right, to be honest, because the way we hold Mozart's music, majority of it was supposed to be played while parties are going. It's yes. background music, but we're holding it like this is the top echelon of music. And I'm like, I know we were sitting in the same history class. <laughs> I know we were sitting in the same history. So where where did this disconnect happen? When did we say, OK, this is the top? No, I promise you, most of them people weren't even listening to this music. They were mm-hmm. over here drinking. They were over here doing some devilish activities. They were not listening. They weren't. Yeah, so why now? Why now? Um, I just, that reminds me of my um, going silent protests with orchestra concerts. Mm. So now when I go to an orchestra concert, if I see a piano or violin concerto, I skip it on purpose. I walk out right before that piece goes and I make it, I make it very apparent because we always hear a violin and piano concerto. Where's my bassoon? Where's my tuba? Where's my, where's an actual instrument that I want to listen to? <laughs> like literally, I don't want to just, uh, <laughs> just like, like I'm over here. Like what you want to tickle the ivories. Okay. Go tickle them. <laughs> I, don't want to see it. I do not. And someone looked at me. They're like, "You're wasting your money." I said, "Well, money well wasted." Because when Ooh. I walked out and I was like Appalachian Spring in this piece, and I walked out and it was this little old white man. I said, "Bye." Because guess how many musicians walked out with me? All of the principal players because they don't play on concertos. <laughs> so, so that's my silent protest. But I want. I just saw one of your tweets, and it made me like love it. Uh, uh, it says, revising this bio, reminding myself who TF I am. I was like, <laughs> I love that. because <laughs> Thank it, you. Because yeah, in classical music, we're like always grinding and moving to the next, moving to the next, moving to the next. And it's like, we're always not good enough. Always not good enough. Blah, blah, yes. blah. And I would, I've been doing my CV, getting ready for some job applications. And yeah. And I'm like, I have like almost nine pages. All right. I was I was like, wow, I did do stuff. Why don't I why don't I feel like I did things? Why do I feel like I've never done enough? And it's like it's this like bad mindset 
we've been like entrenched on while cl- while training for classical music. And that's why mm-hmm. I think a big thing, whenever I get to a university, I'm like, we every university at mm-hmm. in this country should have a psychologist and an Alexander Tech Alexander technique teacher. Yes. Because how am I gonna deal with a bad performance? How am I gonna deal with when I go in front of my student teaching and feel like I'm gonna fail every kid and I'm gonna make them hate music? How am I gonna deal with I hate my colleagues I play in this ensemble with because they're <laughs> like they think the things I do are stupid. Well, I think they're stupid. Like how am I gonna <laughs> I love it? <laughs> like it's just like uh yes. Yeah. You you you're reminding me of so many experiences I had. Um you know, pursuing my degrees, my under my undergraduate, my master's. Um, I was fortunate enough. I would say privileged enough. I grew up in a black bubble. And to me, that that is privilege. Um, black preschool, black neighborhood, black elementary, middle, high school, HBCU. Mm-hmm. Once I got to Belmont, which is predominantly white, mm-hmm. I was like, <gasps> Where did they come from? <laughs> who, are these, who are these people? <laughs> but, I'm just I'm acting silly. I'm I'm silly, y'all. But I immediately realized, oh my gosh, I'm the I'm the sub culture here. I'm the mm-hmm. sub dominant culture here. I don't know what these people are talking about. What's what's in your pop culture? What what movie? What act? What who? What music, you know? So it was a culture shock for me. Although Belmont is like 15 minutes up the road from Tennessee State. Right. So like you said, like (laughs) people not liking what you do. So I'm bringing bringing this HBCU flavor up the Mm -hmm. street. Mm -hmm. I'm the the only, I think, yeah, it was myself and um, another colleague of mine we were the only two black women in the um, graduate program or flute program there. And her primary was piano. Her secondary was flute. So it wasn't as intense on her as it was on me. Primary was flute, classical flute performance, instrumental pedagogy. Like I said, it was intense. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't, I wasn't getting the backlash or feeling othered by other professors um they were very welcoming of me but it was my peers other students we had we went to the same blind audition played the same excerpts i end up getting um principal flute um during my time there and i remember (laughs) there was this one performance um that they have every year it's called christmas at belmont televised big event and right before showtime right before the producer came out there and said action and the camera started rolling and we started playing one of my peers i'm not going to say her name but if you're listening you know you said this to me Uh Uh (laughs) she just turned to me and said you're going to get all the camera time because you're black and then she turned around and picked her flute up and I'm stuck at this point. I'm like, <laughs> like, how do I respond to this? Do I, do I check it right here? <laughs> on, t- on camera. On camera. I want to kick her thing. 
I would have kicked the stand. Right. Put the leg out. Michael, I should have. Michael, I should have. Would have kicked that stand off that stage. Uh, but we, we went through the same audition process now like this is blind auditions belmont great school almost conservatory level okay so the it's not like the other girls couldn't play all the girls could play in the sections yeah, yeah. but i think yeah it was myself outside of me i think there were two other um black members of the symphony mm. so she said this to me as you can see, it stuck with me years down the line, like this experience, like, whoa, I'm going to get all the camera time because I'm black. So you're saying that I'm other and they're going to highlight, oh, here's a little, little speck in here, guys. Look at, look, look, we have a check mark. We have a black musician right, okay. in the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, all of the orchestra members got adequate amount of camera time. There was no, there were no favorites. <laughs> But it's, it, it never ceases to amaze me how people would just overlook the disparities we face in these settings. And like I said, go outside from growing up in a Black bubble where I felt like I was the majority for a long time. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, black city, (laughs) got to Nashville. Whoa. Okay. And that's when I started to feel the otherness and especially Mm -hmm. being in a classical music setting is it's, I have to breathe through it because Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that still happens today. Even, you know, teaching in higher education, um, yeah, it's, it's time to even the playing ground. And I know we're going to get to that <laughs> soon in our conversation. But yes, Michael, I wish I would have um, thought of some silent protest. Maybe I should have got up and walked off, off stage. I'm like, okay. Since, you know. She would have got a check right in there. Okay, and camera, <laughs> see me right here. I wanted to. I wanted to, but I was so stuck in that moment. It was like, oh, how yeah. do I? Yeah. And it was it was never addressed because of course, you know, we went on with the show and, and performed and you know. Mm-hmm. But to bring yourself to just and it was like it was eating her alive. She just had to say it. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get all the camera time because time. you're black. Mm-hmm. What? She wow. thought about that for a long time. Yeah, she's waiting on that for a while. He, and I can just, <laughs> I can just like see this, like, and I hate that that happened because, like, when people do that, there's something insecure about themselves that they have mm-hmm. not like addressed. Like, I know if that happened to, let's say, Anthony at one of our big concerts. Oh, the concert's stopping for five minutes, <laughs> and it's and and you know it's it's okay because I'm I'm just I'm gonna get my little phone, just be like. <laughs> It would be a televised moment. Like, don't you ever (laughs) in your life. (laughs) And I think, honestly, as you had the privilege of growing up in, like, a Black bubble, like, when I grew up, I had that as well. But I had my father, I call him a pseudo Black Panther, where it's like, (laughs) if somebody say something to you, 
you you have the right to say it back. So that was where my upbringing would have came out of like, excuse me, pause. What did you just say to me? Like, how dare you? Especially, and I know Belmont is, I remember when I was looking at schools of music, they were like number one. They were like number mm-hmm. one highly expensive but number mm-hmm. one number one and I was like oh wow this seems like a great school and they offer way much more than classical the mm-hmm. classical music but something about Nashville Tennessee it's like I don't know I don't know I don't know I mean we I didn't really go to a school much better and but that's neither here nor there but still I think we that goes unspoken for black musicians that mm-hmm. we, whenever we do get to a high place, we're always going to have those people that think, well, it's only because you're black that you got placed in front of okay, you. Well, ladies, uh, I yes. Guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna and that, yes. that is just, let alone talent, blind audition, whatever, because I'm black, I'm placed in front of you. The fact that you think that, the fact that you believe I am so less than tells me more about you than anything. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of something, this is something we, because we all went to undergrad, like me and Michael Anthony went to undergrad together. And so we had a lot of these conversations very young as well, where we saw things happening. um, And it was, it's always the thing, there are a lot of things that I want to break down with what we just talked about. Um, the idea that of being in these ensembles when you go from, you know, you going from HBCU to a PWI and then you're now you're the, you know, the minority. And it's almost like because we know that like we are the minority, it's internalized that like we almost have to prove we have to prove that we belong in those space, not maybe not even just to them, but to ourselves even. And it's so internalized sometimes where I'll make a mistake in a rehearsal. Yes. And mm-hmm. myself up. Like I will be like, oh yes. my gosh, you like you mess that up in front of everybody. Now everyone's gonna go, oh, that was it. That was that's what we were because I'm always thinking someone's waiting for me to slip. Mm-hmm. So yes. Be in those spaces. But then if it's someone else, I even myself, like, oh, they're having an off day or something. Maybe they just were tired, they didn't get to practice at one spot. So I give more mercy to everybody else but my own self. I don't mm-hmm. think like they won't. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's right thing of like I and it, it happens all the time in those settings where you if you are a minority in these organizations in these institutions it's like you have to prove yourself ten times harder than anyone else you're sitting like sitting next to because they already have a place there right mm-hmm. to them that they do belong here but for us who we are the oh the just I don't even know if minority is even the word to use for it but barely even there. Like we have to overprove all the time. We have to give more of ourselves, and that's always something in, in departments. I it easily happens where someone goes, "Oh, Lauren's just a ama- she's just she does all these things, well, yeah. always that's so involved and everything." I'm like, "Cause if I wasn't, would you see me? Like if I wasn't trying to implement myself into every single layer of this organization, this institution, this program, would you even see me? You know?" Mm-hmm. And so that was it. Was just really interesting to to hear that those perspectives and. Th- those situations are not uncommon. The one you went through for that Christmas show is not uncommon. And people have, you know, um, what is it? Um, not, it was, uh, what is it where um, 
something affirmative action. There you go. I was like, it's AA, but not the other, not the, the other AA, but not the alcoholic anonymous. <laughs> not the alcoholic anonymous. Mm -hmm. But like people are just, and that's for them. It just looks good for them. They go check. We have a black person. We have a LGBTQ, and we have like females. Like great, we have one of each, or maybe they're combined, and we're good, and that's it. But how are um in those institutions in those programs like do are you hearing them or are they just there right and dialing back into the flute bay brand like i always say it freed me because now you can't tell me what to do mm. now you can't scrutinize me you can't criticize me now there are no juries mm -hmm. <laughs> um Diving deeper into that brand, there was something I told myself. It was like, okay, I'm going to stop trying to fight to be in the symphony. And that's not, that's not any slight to um, Black musicians who have made the top chair, who have made a name for themselves in that setting. Mm -hmm. But just speaking personally for me, my mindset went from, I'm going to stop trying to be within this organization or fight to have a seat at your table. I'm going to build my own table. I'm going to build my own chair. I don't care how much I have to, <laughs> how much elbow grease I got to put in to build my own situation, but I'm going to do that. And my mindset went from being within this thing to wanting to be in front of it. Mm -hmm. So if I get a call from a symphony, it's like, Hey, flute bay, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. We got Nas coming in and we want you to play hip hop concerto number one, <laughs> whatever, whatever the case may be, but just paving my own road where yes, it's hard because you're paving your own thing. Okay. A lot of times you you're traveling that road alone. Um, but fighting so hard to be accepted by something that initially wasn't designed for me in the first place, mm. I got over it quickly. Yeah. I got over it really quickly. So yeah, I take that, I take that mindset throughout my brand, throughout my own teaching within my own studio. That's why it's imperative for me to teach at an HBCU. It is imperative for students to see someone who looks like them. When I first got hired and I did my introduction to the flute students there, one of the first things that a girl said was, look at her hair. And I had my hair like my curls were out big and stuff. Look at her hair, <gasps> her skin. Her, like they're, they're like, yeah, flute is cute and everything, but you, look at this black woman. Yes. Like that, these, these were the whispers that were, that was happening in there. And I was like, okay, I got work to do here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going into year five and we've grown exponentially, exponentially. And we, the talent there, mm -hmm. oh my goodness. There are so many of us out here, just so talented and just underrepresented. And I've just made it my mission to get, get us out there basically. Right. And we thank you. We really thank you for that because it is now it is taking people like you doing this for where we don't we're not looking for the others acceptance. Where we're like we are fine with being who we are. Um, and I want to talk about you know is 
very unfortunate that black musicians we have this like path where we have to go through hell um through undergraduate and graduate and then when we finally graduate with our degrees then we can finally say all right we are comfortable enough to start to make change and i think that's what we're going through right now is we're going through those trials and tribulations but once we get that final signature on that page everything we're flipping tables and we're turning it up because we don't want the next generation of talented musicians to have to go through this. And one thing that I love, and I was so excited to hear that you are the president of the Nashville African-American Wind Symphony, yes. which we were just talking about how there are like, no, like, I would say big, big wind symphonies. There's, you have your orchestras, but never anything about wind ensemble activities. And then for it to be an African-American wind symphony, as a conductor that has fallen in love with just wind ensemble, and I love just wind ensemble music, when I saw this, I was like, I feel seen finally. So thank you so, so, so much for just doing that and making that, that stride. Thank you. Yeah, so diving into NAWS, or Nashville African American Wind Symphony Incorporated, okay? Yes, and <laughs> A year ago, I was approached by our CEO, musical director, Bruce Ayers. Um, he came to me. It was it was the coolest thing. He was like, yeah, I need, I need a moment of your time, a Zoom call. We get on this Zoom call. He hits share screen. This, this PowerPoint pops up. I'm like, okay, what are we doing? He starts to uh, delve into gnaws and this mission statement and its goals and, and objectives its vision i'm seeing all this thing I'm like okay 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 this is really cool like i'm getting excited yeah. and he gets to the last slide and he was like okay i told you all I told you all this to say this and it's a picture of me that popped up and said will you be my president or my uh, coo and i'm like who me? <laughs> me of course of course so ever since then we we hit the ground running, like um, getting our board together, reaching out to ensemble members that we already knew um, in the city, asking them like, hey, do you want to play somewhere? And of course they were like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so putting their names down, having meetings after meetings, like I'm talking about three, four <laughs> hour meetings, trying to pull this thing together. And we finally got to a point where we had instruments in place, rehearsal venue in place, everything we needed to get started, just initially start. Um, first rehearsal, we announced the first rehearsal. We had about, I think close to 50 members show up, full instrumentation for everything that we planned to play. It was so overwhelming. And when I did our um, my welcome speech or our welcome speech, one thing that I made mention was this thing is bigger than us. We want this thing to thrive and be here long after us. And this is the inaugural group. We are making history. We are changing things. We are impacting, wear it on your chest, 
wear that hat. It's heavy, I know, but wear it mm. because this is only going to open up more opportunities, hopefully on a, a, a national scale, mm-hmm. international scale. We don't know how far it's going to go, but just with it starting here, that's all, that's all we need. That's all we need just for people to see it. And um, just with the name, the Nashville African-American Wind Symphony, we wanted to put it just plainly put, this is a professional ensemble setting for Black classical musicians who need a safe place, Yes. who need a, a home <laughs> to do what it is that they do, to have fun, to do what it is that they do. And also... Um, it, it allows us, you know, room for youth initiatives to get out into the community, into these inner city schools and making sure these kids see us, see players that look like them. There are so many kids out here in these public schools that have not been to the symphony center. One, because they don't feel like they belong there. Mm. And two, you know, sadly enough, they've, they've never heard you know, this music played professionally by professional musicians. And Three, they they don't expect they don't expect these people to look like them. So it's like, why why would I go listen to this if you know I don't even belong here to begin with? But yeah. if we create this professional ensemble and we continue to build and get into these schools, they'll see it and they'll think that they can do it. A lot of a lot of kids think that they can't do something all because they never seen it or someone told them, you know, or never told them it was possible, yeah. and we are here to show all the possibilities. Absolutely, absolutely. Cause I know when I was growing up, I didn't see black conductors for wind ensemble. I, I didn't see that. I didn't even see uh, orchestral conductors who were, you know, black. I was like, is there even a, is that a thing? Like, right. You know, where is this? Right. Um, so just that visibility mm. changes a lot. Um, I think my my big inspiration was, well, I didn't see it while I was growing up, so I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna mm-hmm. be, be that wind conductor that's that is you can see out. So I'm just glad that there is a place where black musicians can come, play, feel comfortable, have fun, enjoy just being playing because I think in music, we play so much we begin to hate it. And when we begin mm. to hate it, that we we need to put it down for some time. So yes. this is a healthy way to play it and just have fun. We ain't worrying about what the other people got to say. We ain't worrying about no judging or this and that. No, no, no. We are just playing. And I'm so thankful that um, you, you all took that initiative just to start it. And I know it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we're sick of being underrepresented. We're sick of inequity with disparities. We're, we're here to put a stop to that. Even if it just starts with us and it spreads, that's what we want. We want it to spread. We want to look up and there's a Chicago African-American, Memphis African-American, Dallas African-American, whatever. (laughs) Whatever we have to do, like it's time. It's been past time. It is. It's been To make this change. When have you, do y'all have concerts planned yet for anything? So our next rehearsal will be um, the 17th, October 17th. Um, right now we're meeting once a month. Um, like we said, we're still in the building stages of it. Um, but I just, 
me being president, I was like, okay, we can't wait for everything to be perfect. We because if you're always waiting for things to be perfect, you'll never get started. Right. So it's like we got the people, we have the venue, we got the right. <laughs> instruments, we have the conductors, drop the downbeat. There That's we all go. we need. That's all mm-hmm. we need. So we're meeting once a month now. Um, starting in the spring, we'll start to meet um, more often um, during the months, maybe maybe every Sunday a month. <laughs> That's what we're leaning toward. Um, but for right now, just to allow people to travel, because we have people who come in from Atlanta, who are coming in from Alabama, just the Mid-South is just not playing with this situation yeah. <laughs> right now. Um, so just to give people time to, you know, get to us and make those plans to rehearse. Um, but right now we're meeting, we're reading, and it's, it's more just about having fun and just, you know, people finding a home, um, to, to play their instruments and to, you know, to do what they, they studied their whole lives to do. Um, as far as our first concert, I won't give too much information on that because we do want it to be like, you know, a big thing, yeah. a big thing, you know, a little razzle dazzle here and there. Uh-huh. Um, we are shooting for uh, 2022, June 2022 um, to be our premiere concert. But we have more information coming soon about that. I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could just just let it all out. But we want things to be a surprise on how we're going to do it. But yeah this this has just been an exciting time for um what we're what we've deemed here in nashville the black renaissance in nashville tennessee we have creatives popping up all over the place with just just art music different types of music um visual arts theater everything everything black people are just rising up and saying hey we have we have a place here too and we're going to show you what we got so that's where we are we just we we love that we love every all these initiatives that you are doing because these are the initiatives that actually change things and they Mm -hmm. bring forth change because and this is something we were talking about before we started recording was um there are so many initiatives that they're not really, they don't do much. They just kind of like apply to the systems that are already in place. And the people who are already benefiting are still benefiting. So when we see initiatives like this, that are actually meant for the people by the people, mm-hmm. um, you, it's a difference. You can see a difference. You can see a difference in how it's it's seen by us, by the, the underrepresented. And we, it's just so special and it's me it's needed it's more more of you more of these initiatives are needed in the community and so we just this is something that here at relative pitch is everything that we love and it's what we want to see and what we're trying to embrace and trying to encourage and push out into the field and so we just we thank you for all that you're doing all that you have done um because you are making change and you being you and being visible like is everything to us especially me being a black female flute player i will tell you thank you everything you're doing is inspiring so thank you so much absolutely yo thank you um, so where can people find you hashtag flute bay (laughs) (laughs) well of course under the hashtag flute bay (laughs) and you can find me at prof flute bay prof as in professor prof flute bay everywhere Mm -hmm. everywhere 
Okay. And if you want more information about the Nashville African American Wind Symphony, you can find us at nasmusic.org or nas underscore music on both Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, that's the other one. Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us here and having these these conversations that are just everything to us. And everyone, please like go go check out everything that Ashley's doing. Go go check out Nas and see the amazing things that they are planning and that what they are built around. And uh, thank you again for being here with us. And thank you for having me. I had fun chatting with you all. Yeah, <laughs> it just felt you. like talking to friends, like just having a good conversation. Yes, thank absolutely. You. And to our audience, we will see y'all next week. Hope you enjoyed. Bye. Bye. Bye.